Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. I was having a conversation with, uh, with my, uh, my father right before this, and I was telling him, like, oh, Dad, you weren't, I don't think you were in the first one, so I had to apologize, but I'm going to tell you that I'm going to do this just so you're okay with it. <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to, um, to share this story of, you know, something my dad taught me when I was a little boy growing up. As a, as a father, um, now a father, I, I, I begin to see some of the, the reasons of why my dad would do what he would do and tell me the things he would say. And um, I'll never forget, there was just different moments where um, it was an actual battle where, you know, he would get pretty upset because of certain things. And, like, for example, uh, the way that I would eat dinner with my fork. If I ate it like a caveman, he would make sure he let me know, you do not eat like that. And, like, him and my mom would start arguing. So I would just be nice. I'm like, I look back at it now, and I'm like, I am so grateful for the father's voice just to teach me little things like that. There was also things that I used with my, my mouth, my words. Um, he would always say, you know, as I was growing up, probably my teenage years, I would do it. My mom would call me, hey, Sam, you know, and I'd say, what? Hey, hold on, hold on. You don't respond back what? It's yes. Because when you grow older and you're in different spaces and you're in the work environment, you're not going to tell your boss what? And just little things like that. So now I, I kind of cringe a little when I, like, say, hey, hey, and it's like, what? I'm like, oh, it's like my dad's, like, in me <laughs> saying, hey, no, man, you respond with respect, yes. There was also um, a thing that we would say, you know, I have, again, three older brothers, and we would fight, and I had to, like, learn to use my words really quickly because I was the youngest, and the brother above me, I've said, is, like, 6'3", and then my, my brother Luke is, like, 6'2", and, and then me and Paul are just short. And uh, so I had to use my words because I'm not going to fight my brother, you know, Luke, who's, like, way bigger than me. Um, but I did fight Zach. And I had to, like, you know, use my body and do stuff like that. But I would always use my words to cut. And my dad would get really upset when I would say, you're stupid. Hey, hold on, hold on. We don't call anyone stupid. We don't do that here. And so I had to tell him, hey, Dad, I'm going to use, like, stupid in my messages. I want you to know. Because when you look at the book of Proverbs, there are things people do that are not good. And when the scripture says it's foolish, another translation could be it's just stupid. And, you know, it, it kind of hurts a little bit, but, like, isn't that how truth is? Doesn't truth hurt sometimes? And so I wanted to talk today about the words from a father. You see, if you open up the, the, the scriptures and you look at the book of Proverbs and this wisdom talk, what you soon quickly discover in the first nine chapters, it's not so necessarily Proverbs, though it is, but specifically it's ten. The first nine chapters are ten lessons from a father to a son. Hey, son, I got to tell you something. I got to talk to you about life. And I want to read this scripture in Proverbs 1, 10 through 19. It says this. My son, hear the language? Father speaking. My, my son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. 
If they say, come along with us, let's lie in the wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave in a hole, like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us. We will all share the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood, and they ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life, the life of those who get it. Do you hear the wisdom there? Hey, uh, my son, like, don't be stupid. Don't do dumb things. You see, wisdom, if I could describe it in the most simplistic human way, is if I do this, that's not good, or if I run towards or with evil men, wisdom says I will not live a good life. Pretty simple, right? Now, we like to make it very complicated. You see, the father tells the son that he should listen to wisdom and cultivate the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God. This will require a life of virtue, integrity, and generosity, all of which will lead to success and peace. That's not my language. That's the language of Proverbs. If you, quote, live within wisdom, pursue wisdom, you will have a life that will lead to success and peace. The father warns. There's a warning in what I just read about a life that leads to ruin and shame. There is folly and evil. There's being short-sighted. There's being selfish and making selfish decisions. And that are all leading towards pride. And all of these things will lead to ruin and shame. Pride, selfish decisions, being short-sighted, folly and evil. And that word folly is very interesting to me. It's holding truth as worthless or beneath you by choosing your own way. What do I mean by that? There's a lot of people in the room that, um, maybe I'll speak for those that like grew up in the church. Just to show hands, I hardly do this. Who actually grew up in the church? Okay. We're the most hurt, right? (laughs) We've the most like gone through a lot of things and seen X, Y, and Z. And we've noticed stuff about pastors and they say they're so good and then they fall And there's bad character, and I see all of it, and now I am a pastor. But one thing that I've recognized in the space of spiritual formation or church or you name it, whatever you want to call it, is it's often the one that was raised in the church, like myself, that knows truth, that would agree. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, man, this Bible, yes. However, there are moments or even just decisions where we say, I'm going to do it my own way then. Solomon is saying to his son, that's folly. That's foolishness or that's stupid. (laughs) You know the truth. You have the truth. 
You have the word of God. You have the spirit of God within you. You know what to do and what not to do. It's very simple. And yet you choose not to do that. That is, unfortunately for you, folly. And even more unfortunate for for you will lead to a life of destruction and brokenness and pain. And yet the conversation is, well, don't I still have that sometimes if I have God? Can we just be honest? But I've done those things. I follow God. I still find myself in this way. And it's like, yes, that's a part of reality in life. However, I also know the truth that God is inside of me and he's redeemed me and he set me apart. And he's called me to a life of righteousness and holiness. We don't like to talk about that often. But folly is holding truth as worthless even though you know the truth. Choosing to do it your own way. That is the ramifications of not having wisdom. But even worse, it's the one who knows that choose to not do it. It's like you got two doors in front of you. Do I run with the evil or do I walk with the righteous? Ah, that seems more fun. Yeah, but I know like what God says and Jesus and all that. I'm going to go this way, but then I'm going to pray. And then it goes real bad for me, and then I'm going to go back to church. And then it gets bad for me again, and I want this path, so I'll go this way. And then I forget, and then I go that way. And it's like, that is folly, foolishness. Why not say, I believe you, God. I believe you're good. It's not fun all the time. It gets difficult. There are spiritual disciplines disciplines that are not fun all the time the bible offends me the bible makes me uncomfortable man that guy called me out and he's my brother and the lord and yeah man i shouldn't be speaking like that and talking like that i shouldn't be living like that well the more you live like that the more you will walk in the way of the sinner and his road is destruction i I don't want that i don't know about you can we just be honest like who wants that but yet there are some that say i don't want that but your, your words do not line up to your actions. So when the opportunity presents itself, pleasure is quick. I want the quick. I want the fast. I'll go that route instead of going the route that God says to go, which could be way more patient. Folly. Short-sighted, selfish decisions and pride. Therefore, the son should make the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord his highest aim. Again, the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God. Could you imagine what your life would look like if you made the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of God your highest aim? I mean, every decision you make, every relationship that you're a part of, every move and maneuver in life how you raise your children where you take your children do they go to this school or that school do they hang out with this crowd or that crowd? What, what do I say in this moment what does the world inform and how I believe but it's not truth but it sounds good because it feels good and they like it and that's all oh, we got to be all loving to them and so we get really confused and we just forget the truth and the danger is we live a life now upset with God but we chose to not live with God. That's foolishness to those who know God. I, 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 um, I, I, I wrestle with this 
because I can look in the room and, and know faces, and I'm pastor, so I know many of your story and my story. And what I don't want to do is just give you the, like, feel-good, lovey-dovey message every week. Because, like, we could do that. You know, we could do that. <laughs> but, like, are we going to grow? Are you going to, like, mature? Are you going to develop? Um, is there going to be pressure in your life? Do you, do you want God to, like, do something beautiful in your life? Um, and, and that's where, like, the, the danger is we just live in a culture that's fast and quick and, like, microwaved, you know, like Amazon. We order it, we got it, you know? And life doesn't work like that. Wouldn't wisdom say that? Wouldn't an old individual that's walked with life and Jesus well say life doesn't work that way? So, have truth in reality your highest aim. So, Proverbs 3, if you want to turn there. I'm going to actually physically turn there as well. Um, I shared this earlier. I want to share it again because I thought it was funny. My mom raised me and would bribe me, <laughs> pay me money to memorize scripture. I love that. <laughs> you know why? Because I got it in me. I got it in me. And I've learned it and I've known it. And that's the thing, like, I want that for you and your families. But the danger is if you don't want that, just like for you, you won't have it. Because it takes radical shifts and decisions and like not thinking the way the world thinks and making a decision to live and walk in wisdom with God. But she would bribe me. So Proverbs 3, I don't, like, honestly, 20 bucks to a 6-year-old, 7-year-old, amazing. My nephew, um, John, I don't know if it was John or Luke. I think both of them, they're in the room. And they memorized way more than I did. And I'm like, man, you should give them 100 bucks. That was pretty good. It was like almost a whole chapter. It just wasn't that smart, you know. It was just, just a couple verses. But Proverbs 3 is one of my favorite. Again, this is Solomon as a father speaking to his son, poetically. And what he is saying is, he's talking about trust, and he's talking about lesson, he's talking about exhortation. And he says, my son, do not forget my teaching. Keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love, everyone say love. love. And faithfulness, say faithfulness. faithfulness. Never leave you. You hear that? Hey, this is, this is like old man, dad, wisdom speaking right now. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Here's the lesson. Bind them around your neck. Then, please look at verse 4. If you got your Bible open, circle it, write it. Type it in your notes. Then, say then. You will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Interesting. I, um, I, I like this quote a lot. My brother Paul, who I've begged Paul. I said this in the first. I'll say this. I've begged Paul to come and preach here because, I mean, he's my older brother. I don't just see him as like, man, you're my older brother. Come and speak. But he, he like... He was one of the reasons that I was influenced to go to Bible school and college and, and to pursue academics. And, and he, he, he fathered me at moments in my life. He's my older brother, you know. 
but so much like of an older brother where like when I was little, he was like, you know, 12. Like that was the gap. My mom just liked the gaps, you know? And so like, it was like a 12-year gap between me and my brother Paul. And so there's moments where he would just father me and he would speak life into me and it was always pointing back to wisdom. And he said this one quote. He said, Sam, you got to understand this. Because he likes probability. He likes numbers. He said, the Chinese call it Zen. You know, Chinese call things like the God thing or the universe thing like, oh, I just got to find my Zen, right? The Greeks call it Logos. You heard of that word, Logos? In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. In Greek, it's Logos. John trying to show the people that, oh, no, God is Logos, Americans, you know what we call it? We call it luck. Ah, he got lucky. Luck. I just got really lucky, man. Really? You got lucky? I believe in God. I don't believe in luck. But watch this. This is what my brother told me. For those who follow God, they call it the favor of God. Oh, man, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. When you look at Proverbs, there are Proverbs for almost every culture, even other in religions. They have their own. There's African Proverbs as well. And if we're not careful, we miss the wisdom. There's still wisdom in it. But I love that it's not predicated off me like an American. I call it luck. No, 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 friend. You, you, <laughs> I like the word favor much more. Because my Bible just told me, can you, can you look there with me, Proverbs 3? Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. You know what this takes me back to? This takes me back to Joseph. Being sold into slavery. His brothers couldn't stand him. He had a dream. It was too big. He shouldn't have said the dream. It was about his brothers like bowing to him. Who does that? And then you fast forward all through Joseph's life, he let love and faithfulness be anchored around his neck. I'm a slave in Pharaoh's house, or Potiphar's house, right? The general. I'm going to be faithful and serve. I'm not going to complain and mope and woe is me and oh God, you forgot me and what about the dream? And I'm just going to sit and be complacent. No God, this is where I'm at. I'm going to serve it well. I'm going to love people well. I'm going to be faithful where I'm at. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. And if you do that, you'll find favor with God and man. What an interesting proverb and principle. The question is, do you believe it? This is wisdom. It's applied knowledge. So, for those that work, we all work, hopefully, um, for those that work and have job and have a boss and have someone telling you what to do and you get kind of annoyed and aggravated with your boss, what happens is you got to ask yourself, can you serve that person? Can you honor that person? Can you work for that person? Can you do well in the environment that you're in? Or when you go to work, are you bad-mouthing everybody? Or gossiping all the time with the girls about other people. Are we doing those things? Are we, are we not letting love and faithfulness never leave us? 
if you do that, you can't get upset if you don't have favor with people. You can't get upset if you don't have favor with God. And so I have made this Proverb 3. I, I love it so much. Here's why. Look at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Hey, son, that favor, that probability, all of that, can you trust in me with all your heart? Lean on me. Abide in me. Walk with me. Don't lean on your own understandings, but in all of your ways, acknowledge me. I will direct your paths. Can you hold that tension? Like that, that you got to trust God, but you also got to let love and faithfulness lead your life. Can you, did you see the tension there? You know, I, uh, I'll never forget, Kelly and I just got married. We were probably 22 years old. I uh, was, was a youth pastor in Orange County. Um, I had to work my butt off. I even took the janitor role in the church. I don't really say this because I don't want to, like, toot anyone's horn, you know, but I just remember, like, I needed to provide. And, like, Kelly was working. I was working. It just wasn't enough. And I'm like, there's a janitor position here. Like, I'm that guy. I'll do that. It's not too low for me. And I would vacuum. I feel like Joseph. I'd, like, read the Bible. Yeah, God. Favor. No one sees. That's all right. And then there was a moment where I made a conscious decision that I wanted to serve. I wanted to be faithful. And at Vanguard University, I, I got an internship. I created the internship and presented it to the vice president of student life. And I said, hey, Tim, uh, you know, Vanguard and Newport Mesa, we're not, like, really cool, but I want to reach the young adults. Can I just come and serve? Like, I'll just be an intern, man. Like, I just got to figure this stuff out. You know, I'm on Vanguard and, and this and that. But I also had a little plan. I had a little plan. Because I learned that when you have favor with man, God opens doors. When you have favor with God, he opens a lot of doors. And um, I got close to this guy, and he became a mentor to me. A mentor. Ph.D., oversaw all of student life. I'd meet with him every week. He started taking me through leadership stuff. He had me write all this stuff about my life. And he said, I want you to go back in your life, get a big pamphlet, and I want you to mark all of the things that have happened in your life. And then I want you to look back and see all of the people God appointed in your life to get you where you're at today. Have you ever done that? It's crazy if you do that. And I could start connecting the dots and looking all the way back. And I was just like crying and weeping over this like little page. And then I'd go to Tim like, this is so cool, man. Oh, my gosh. And he's like, yeah, well, how are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm married. It's hard. You know, it's like, Tim, you were a youth pastor once, you know. And um, I said, yeah, but we're, we're like, we have to leave our apartment, you know. We're looking. And I said, well, you know, you know there's student housing, Tim. <laughs> and I know because I've looked at the bylaws that a married couple can't be in student housing but, you know, I'm on, do you think I could do that? Sure, I'll look into it. And then a couple of days later, he's like, we got you in. And I remember, like, crying because it was so difficult financially. I knew I was going to be okay. And I stood back. I was like, there's no way I could have done that other than the favor of God and man. And then I remember we went into the student housing. And this is where it gets, kind of, like, really depressing. And my brother Paul moved, he, he drove over to help me because he knew because he lived that life in student housing and he was married. He was like 21. He said, Sam, don't invite Kelly over yet. Like, don't tell her to come and look at the place. Let me come and help you clean it up. I said, all right. 
So he came. We painted the walls. We didn't ask permission, but it was kind of the same color. Repainted the walls. We redid the lighting. He's like, this mirror's really gross. Let's go buy a new mirror. I'll put it up. He showed me how to wire the fan. We put a new little fan thing, and it, like, was, it looked good. And, you know, Kelly came. She's like, oh, it's nice. I'm like, oh. Oh, man. And I, I remember I was wrestling with God. I was wrestling with God that evening because we were finally, like, put and I could breathe because we were looking for a long time. And I knew, and I remember crying and saying, God, you told me, you called me to this, to be a pastor. I'm going to be faithful to you. But this is really hard. And then I called my brother Paul. I was like, oh, Paul, oh, man, bro, i just really sad. Like, I know Kelly doesn't like this. I know she's not about this, man. Like, what am I doing with my life, bro? You think, I, like, this pastor thing, this youth pastor, there's no money in it. I'm not going to take care of my family. That's, can I be honest? That's what I was thinking. He's like, hey, Sam, God connects the dots in your life. But you have to be willing to trust that he's going to lead and guide you. And I didn't say this in the first, but he quoted Proverbs 3 to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understandings. In all your ways, Sam, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. I love that, by the way, that I have family I can go to, and they're not going to lead me in the wrong way. I want that for you. For those that have little children that love God, that you want to get married, or maybe you're thinking about getting married, and, you wanna get, and they're going to have children one day. I want you to, I want them, your children, to have the same experience that I had, that all of my brothers love God. Like, we fear God, and that's not any other credit other than just, like, God's grace in our life. But there was a probability being built up in our life as my parents sowed into us and sent us and talked with us. And my mom, and I said, you know, she would annoy me, like, Mom, the Jesus thing again? Like, I don't want to talk about Jesus right now. But there was this planting of seeds, and there was this favor that was being built up. And again, I'll say it, the Chinese call it Zen. Greeks call it Logos. Americans call it luck. But one who follows God calls it the favor of God. Are you leaning on God and not your own way? Are you trusting in his plan, not your plan? Are you actually doing the wisdom thing and following the way that you know you should go, even if it's hard and difficult? These speeches clue us into what biblical wisdom literature is and how it's different from other parts of the Bible. While it does explore how to live well in God's world, wisdom is neither law nor prophecy. It's important to know that. Rather, wisdom is accumulated insight of God's people through generations. It's all about how to live in a way that honors God and others. Not just about relating to God, but also relating to others in the world we live in. Wisdom shows you how to honor God. Wisdom shows you how to deal with others. Through the book of Proverbs, these human words about wisdom have become God's word and wisdom to his people. This connects then to another key theme Chapters 1 through 9. So I said chapters 1 through 9, just a quick teaching moment. Chapters 1 through 9 is a father speaking to his son about 10 lessons. You will find 10 lessons in there. Son, take heed of this. Son, take heed of this. You'll see it 10 times. But also in the fabric of it are four poems by theologians called Lady Wisdom. If you've ever read Proverbs, it's like talking about a lady sometimes. 
Like, who's this lady? Oh, it's poetic. It's symbolic to something. Lady wisdom is not actually a real lady. Please don't get that wrong. Rather, it's a poetic language of what wisdom is personified in as a woman. Telling humanity, pay attention to me. Pay attention and find her. Whenever people are making wise decisions, they're relying on her. Whenever someone is being generous and having sexual integrity or upholding justice, they're drawing on her wisdom. These lady wisdom poems are a creative, poetic way of exploring the idea that we live in a moral universe and that goodness and justice are objective realities that we ignore at our own peril. We just ignore them. But Lady Wisdom is like, no, listen to me. <laughs> Seek me out. Let me show you. Proverbs 8, 12 to 16 says this. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance. I'm going to say that one again. This is Lady Wisdom speaking. You want to know how to have a good life? I hate pride and wisdom. Wisdom is saying, I hate pride and wisdom. I'm sorry. I hate pride and I hate what it does to me. Like, do you, do you hate pride? I hate arrogance. Like, thinking you're better than you are. Lady Wisdom is, like, not attracted to you. If I could say it like that. She's not drawn to you, man. Like, you're just too arrogant and up there. She's not drawn to that. Instead, it says, well, evil behavior and per per perverse speech. Okay, that's another one. Got to check that one off. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. I love this one. By me, kings reign. And rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern. And nobles, all who rule on earth, they rely on me, Lady Wisdom says. And then look at. Proverbs 8, 35 to 36, it says, For those who find me find life and receive, here it is, favor from the Lord. You want favor from God? Find wisdom. Find lady wisdom. <laughs> but those who fail to find me are harmless. Them, they harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Proverbs 9, 7 and 9 says this, Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Interesting. So if you got someone mocking you and you like snap back, you're the fool now. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they'll hate you. Rebuke the wise. Oh, I love this one. And they'll love you. You know how I know someone's doing well in their maturity? Myself included. Let me just use me. I won't use, just, let's just talk about me. <laughs> when I know I'm not doing well with wisdom is when I have someone that is wise call me out and I bite back. What a fool I am. Instead, I have had to learn this person loves me. This person cares about me. I want to lean into the wisdom because I want more wisdom because that's what scripture says. Instruct the wise. And they will still be wiser. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. So what's the reverse of that? <laughs> if you're not instructing the wise and you don't care about wisdom, then what are you learning? Are you, 
Where, where are you growing? That's the ignorance. That's the deceit. That's the selfish ambition. That's the pride. But this book doesn't simply offer good advice. Can we? I just want to make that really clear. Instead, it's an invitation from God to learn human and divine wisdom from previous generations of God's people. And we have the end of the story. We have the New Testament. And we know that Jesus is, is all wisdom. He is wisdom. Did you know that? So when you read Proverbs, it's talking about wisdom. Just put Jesus in there. So let's reread that. Proverbs 3, here's the challenge. I want to challenge you, the Father says. This morning, I want you to be challenged. Sometimes I think, in my personal opinion, that we have a lot of father wounds, right? That, that just happens. It's like it's a reality. Like there, there's, there's things that have happened that weren't good with our dad, and so now we look at the Father in the same light. And we, like, Can we just like push that away for a second? Like it's real. What happened is real that whatever happened to you. But for a second, it's easy for you to consciously say, that is not God the Father. You can do that. But you have the power to do that. To say, I know this is my earthly father, and he messed up, and he hurt me, but I'm going to push that thought away, and I'm going to reimagine a good father in heaven who loves me, who knows me, who's called me, who has a plan and a purpose for me. He's speaking to you right now, and this is what he's going to say. I... um. I love my mom so much. She's right up here in the front. And I've learned that um, I'm a bit more emotional, you know, in my, like, temperament and, like, personality. Like, I think you could see that, right? I don't know if you would disagree with that. I'm, I'm an emotional guy, <laughs> you know? And I think a lot of that has to do with my mom. My mom, you know, she was, like, my rabbi growing up. My dad worked his butt off to provide for the family. And he was there, and he taught me wisdom. But my mom taught me, like, this really deep sense of love and God's love. She'd read me the scriptures every night. She would talk to me. She would, everywhere I would go, it was God, 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 God. But I have found that oftentimes I don't need my mom's voice. I need my dad's voice. And I think if we're not careful in the church, we like to hear the voice of God in an emotional mom way. Does, does that make sense? Like in a tender way. And you need that. But there comes a time in your spiritual development and formation, the way that God created this good world, he created man and he created woman. He created dad and he created mom. And dad functions differently than mom functions. And it's also a depiction of the image of God in our life. So there's moments I don't need my mom's, like, input because it's going to be really emotional. I need my dad's logic and wisdom to say, son, snap out of it and get up and keep moving forward, man. you got a family to take care of. There's wisdom in this. I get it. There's, yeah, 100%, but it's time to do what you got to do. I love you. I'm for you. I'll cry with you. But all, all right, come, come on, Sam. A little too much sitting down. Let's go. And do you know that the Father will say that to you? It's right here. My son, do not forget my teaching. 
Keep my commands in your heart. They will prolong your life many years, bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness, here's the lesson, never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Worship, you guys can come on up. Then you will find favor and a good, I'll just keep preaching though. I mean, if you guys don't want to come, I'll just, I could go a long time, you know. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, in all your ways, in what way? In every way, every ounce of the fiber of your being, every decision, every moment. As a father, you got to think down the road for your son and daughter. As a man, as a woman, you got to think about the wise or unwise choices and decisions. And if I do this, this will happen. Well, I don't know about you, but I want the favor of God in my life. So then I need to do things that will actually, in a probable sense, create opportunities for God's favor to reign on me. And if you don't believe that, then go read the book of Exodus when you look at Joseph, when you see his life. It's, it's working through this. It's working through this. It's working through this. I'm just going to do what I know God says to do. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do. The, and now you're stacking this probability. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. Even when the right thing, no one likes. Has that ever happened to you? You got to make the right decision, but it's a painful decision. That's wisdom. You got to do the right thing, even when it, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it hurts. I'm going to do the right thing, man. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Are you a loving person? Or has love left you? Are you a faithful person? Or are you unfaithful? I just want to do what God's called me to do in his good world, and I will lean on the scriptures and the goodness of God. I'm not going to forsake his way. I'm going to keep his commandments, which also is Jesus's commandments. I'm going to live that way, walk that way, and all of a sudden, I begin to see, I'm going to use this word. I'm sorry if it hurts people, bothers people. I'm going to see success in my life because it's in there. Did you read it? Prosperity? Now, maybe our just definition of success is a little bit different, so let's define success. I'm not just talking monetary, but I'm talking, I have a beautiful wife, I have beautiful children, I have everything that the world can call success, and guess what? I could lose it in a stupid, dumb, wrong choice. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. And you should feel that weight, by the way, men. Women in the room, you should feel that weight. Oh, this is kind of heavy. Oh my gosh, God just keeps adding things into my life and it's goodness and it's blessing and there's favor and there should be, that's wisdom speaking to you. Don't mess it up. Don't make the wrong choice even though you know that you should make this choice. Don't let pleasure pull you in. Don't let money or fame pull you in. Don't let that it's better over there, pull you in. That's not wisdom, that's folly, that's foolishness. 
You know, another proverb is, I love this one. Sorry, I told you guys, I just keep going. I'm so sorry. I just, I know it's like the 11, I can keep going. I'm going to come to a close, friends, I'm sorry. But let me just, this is another one. Proverbs, I don't know which one, but it's bad company corrupts good morals. You heard of that one? Whoa. Can we like, what does that mean? Whoa. That sounds pretty simple, man. I'm in company. Is it good company or is it bad? Is it evil or is it good? Is it uplifting or is it condescending? Bad company will corrupt the character of God in you. So, okay. I was on the phone with a guy the other day, and he's, like, about to lose his family. And uh, he's not married. I'm like, you need to get married. That's, let's start there. You've been with her for seven years. You have a child with her. Why haven't you got married? I, I'm sorry if that offends people. Can I just say this publicly, please? Ah, it's okay if you leave. It's all right. We will have a celebration for you if you've been with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you're living with them more than two, three, four, five years. Let's get you married. Let's get you married, man. Because sometimes, like, my mom's like, I think I know why your dad didn't have girls. It would have been bad. Like, I think of my daughter, my daughters. And if you're playing it safe and not committed and you haven't made a conscious decision to marry her you don't deserve my daughter then so I say this with love come on you hear the love you hear the correct it's love no I love you man Jesus loves you it's okay it's okay like we just get back up we keep moving forward but you heard it you heard it Now, what are you going to do about it? Choices. Choices. Right, wrong, yes or no. That's what my dad taught me. Sam, life's simple, man. It's right, wrong, yes or no. My dad, I don't know if it's that simple, but I get it. (laughs) I get what you're saying. Do you feel that? Are you okay with that? I just want to love you as a 30-year-old father. Because I recognize the space that God has called me to occupy. I'm grateful that I have a a, a specific space that I feel and and groan and hurt for you. And I know you're older than me, but I see you as a son. I see you as a daughter. And I want you to grow and move and mature and develop. I want you to conquer all that God has called you to conquer in your life. But you will get in the way of God by foolishness. And the word of God will call you, it will correct you, it will push you, it will challenge you to live the life you were always meant to live. So don't play it safe. I just want to make something clear about our church. I'm like so far, oh, I'm so sorry. I just want to make it really clear about our church, about this church, about the church that God called Kelly and I to and, and, and crying, oh, God, Paul, like, man, it's so hard. I got no money. I thought this is what, not what my life was supposed to be. I promised Kelly's mom we we're going to be good. I did promise that we were going to finish college, so we're going to finish college, Paul, but we're like, we're not doing well. 
I and my wife, we groaned and cried and turned the soil and turned the soil. I'm going to do this for people. I'm going to do this for the sake of the world. I'm going to do this for the daughter who is tired of being with the boyfriend that doesn't want to get married. I'm going to do this for the lame and the broken and the hurt and the crying and the orphan and the son and the daughter. That is my call. I don't know what your call is, but my call, our call, is for this reason in this community, in this church. We are going to risk. I will risk all of what I just said if someone's going to, I don't like that guy, I'm leaving. I want to risk big. How about you? I want to risk like Jesus risked. I want to risk like Peter and James and John risked when they said, it's not, I don't need this boat life, this fisherman life. I'm going after the call of God on my life. Every man and woman in under the breath of my words and oxygen, I need you to know this. You are called by God. You have a calling that is specific and unique to you. What are you doing about it? Hear the words of the Father, not me, Him. What are you doing about it? Move forward, friend. Risk. Walk with confidence. Get back to your first love if you grew up in the church. Get back to Him. Bow to Him. Lean on Him. Abide in Him. Get uncomfortable in here. I want that. I don't want you comfortable. I don't want to be comfortable. But I want the favor of God in my life. How about you? I just, I, is that wrong to say? I mean, it's in the Bible. Hey, hey. I want favor. I want prosperity. I want favor with not just God, because I know I got that. I want, I want favor with man. How do I do that? Love and faithfulness to you, walking with you, doing this thing called life with you. I desire that for your life, and I know you can have it if you would just lean on him and not you. Amen? Amen, that's a word for you. That's a word for you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, daughter. God loves you so much so that he said, I'll meet you here. I've created a space for you. If there's anything you've heard, I just need you to hear that. God loves you. He calls you daughter. He calls you daughter. Will you stand with me as we finish in prayer? And then we're going to do communion if you want to do it. You're not forced to. We're going to do communion together after we sing this song. Jesus, we love you so much. We're honored by you. We worship you. We magnify you. Have your way in our life, Father. We uh, recognize our life. For those that are about to take communion, we reexamine our heart. We repent of all of the things that we have done that have just not have been of you, God. And we know that our grace is sufficient. My weakness, sorry, is sufficient in your grace and what you've done for me and not what I can do for you. So, Jesus, I lay out all at the altar this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.